Hello and welcome to the Movie Mouth Film and TV Podcast. This week we'll be discussing the latest movie news, film trailers and new release reviews with batshit crazy Groundhog Day with a bazooka action romp boss level and performance powerhouse based on a true story new drama Judas and the Black Messiah. On top of it all, every week we discuss a classic film in our video store corner section and this week we'll be heading to the balls to the wall near future catastrophe that is Russell Crowe and Denzel Washington in sci-fi flop Virtuosity. This is Miles, still sequestered in sunny Florida. And as ever, I'm joined by a man who famously, famously once said, People looked at him differently, and they knew he was with somebody. At 13, he was making more money than most of the grown-ups in the neighborhood. I mean, he had more money that he could spend. He had it all. One day, the kids from the neighborhood carried his mother's groceries all the way home. You know why? It was out of respect. Ever since he can remember, he's always wanted to be a gangster. It's Phil. Good day. Good day. How are you, darling? I'm all right. How are you? I feel Liotta better after doing that impression. Good. It's true, though. They did carry the shopping. Did they? Yeah. Made them, made them do it, didn't they? Not like um, Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone when he's walking down the street with the shopping bags and they all explode. <laughs> they split open. Every time I've ever carried shopping bags home from a supermarket, I've always thought about that scene in Home Alone when Macaulay Culkin's shopping bags just empty on the floor. <laughs> and I'm always thinking ahead, like, there. what would I do if that was me right now? Well, you need a bag for life, don't you? Simple. You do. Anyway, uh, what have you been watching <laughs> this week? <laughs> uh, this week. So I've been on, we had a bit of a binge because picked up a, a series again that I'd completely forgotten that we watched the first one of, which was um, Deutschland 83. I don't know if you watched this at the time. Because um, it was a few years ago that the first series came out. Com and I really enjoyed it at the time. Completely didn't, like, forgot that they'd made a, a second series, Deutschland 86. And mm -hmm. because we saw an advert for Deutschland 89, which is coming out, it was like, wow, got to catch up on that. So we watched um all of deutschland 86 um and loved it really really good series if uh, you're not familiar with it it's about a um sort of the east and west german divide and um back in obviously the 80s and just about a sort of young guy that gets turned into a spy basically but it's a really it's a really good clever series well worth a watch if no one's seen it but um so yeah been watching that that was really good um gonna shock you a bit here <laughs> finally finally watched the joker as well um because i hadn't seen it oh <laughs> yeah Joaquin. i haven't seen it at all yeah absolutely amazing i knew it was meant to be very very good obviously it won a lot of awards and he did really well but yeah what a performance mm. um uh, so yeah, that was that was really good to see that. Poor old Bobby De Niro, eh? I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Tell me about it. I was like, oh. Um, so that was good. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I've watched a couple of other films. I watched, I've watched a lot this week. Um, mm -hmm. Uncut Gems, yeah, Adam Sandler oh, Netflix yeah. film, brilliant. From the really Brothers. enjoyed it. Yeah, one of the most stressful films I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. um, just constant shouting, isn't it? Just constant it is. talking over each other and and blazing frenzied. white teeth. <laughs> Every yeah, definitely. Has blaring white teeth. They really do, yeah. Um, 
How great movie though. <laughs> but very good, very mm, good. Mm. Um, and then I have just finished, literally in the last hour, watching a film on Netflix called The Giant, which was a Basque film, um, which is sort of based on true events about uh, set in, I think it's eighteen the 1830s, 1836, yep. about um, two brothers. One of them is a giant um, and sort of like not like a, a not a made up giant like he's got giganticism and okay. um or, and he yeah basically he it's a story based on tr- true events about them sort of parading with him and trying to make some money because they're really struggling for money um and he sort of goes on a bit of a circus tour and sells viewings of his brother and it's it's quite depressing uh some of it's quite uplifting and nice but yeah it's it quite a Quite a tough watch, but it's very good. Very good film. Depressing. When did you watch this? Like an hour ago. <laughs> Saturday night. It's Saturday afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a Phil, it's becoming a Phil staple. I think I'm going to sit down and watch Schindler's List this Saturday night. <laughs> I'd watched all the fun stuff already. I watched Boss Level and Virtuosity. <laughs> Don't spoil it, Phil. We've got to get to our reviews. They might be depressing. Yeah. They're not. What about you? Uh, weirdly, in a complete flip reversal, I've watched barely anything this week. Um, right. But I have what is weird actually. I've 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 been watching more documentaries. So really, really mm. popular and very zeitgeisty right now is the Framing Britney documentary, which is the New York Times doc about Britney Spears and her conservatorship. Basically, mm-hmm. how her father has now taken over her business empire and her life. And he's basically running all of those things and he's in complete control of her. Um, really interesting, really, a really um, sad depiction of how the media and how stardom can ruin people's lives. And in particular, mm. in that late 90s, early noughties period, you know, you've even had people like um, Justin Timberlake coming out and apologizing for some things that he said about about his relationship with Britney Spears after the fact after this this documentary was was released so it's it's been re- you know very zeitgeist to hear in the US um that's that's on uh hulu here in the US but you can also in the UK you can watch that on one of the sky channels so if anyone's interested in watching that it's a must watch documentary very very popular at the moment another documentary i watched um this one on hbo was there is no i in threesome which is about a new zealand couple who uh, basically, um, in the last year before their marriage, decide to have an open relationship and uh, invite other people into their sex lives. And uh, it's it's an interesting documentary about kind of relationships and um, monogamy and all these different things. Um, it, it was OK. It was marketed really well, but it, it didn't have that kind of there was there's a kind of a twist in there, which I won't spoil, but it kind of. Um, it kind of diluted the whole thing for me, but it was it was good to watch. I I, I enjoyed it mostly, um, and of course, One Division, which I won't spoil. But I'm on I finished episode seven now. Um, things are starting to reveal themselves to some extent, right. uh, and the listeners who have watched it will know what I'm talking about. But that's it's still a really interesting, really exciting MCU, you know, Marvel um, show, uh, which is starting to to kind of come into its own a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's only two episodes left, so there's a lot to resolve in in that show, um, and obviously the impact on it going forward in in the MCU and the later films that are going to come following it. So, very, very, very excited about finishing that um, as well. 
Um, so let's jump into this week's listener question. This one comes from friend of the show, Sean Krasanthu. Um, we love this one, didn't we? Um, so mm. Sean, Sean wants to know, if you could spend 24 hours on the set of any movie, what would it be and why? Phil. Well, this is a very good question. I've got a couple of like caveats I want to bring up about it, though. So I'm going to assume that with some of it, that we are spending time on the set of a film that's full of extras and actors, sort of pretending, you know, as if you're in the film rather mm -hmm. than just like an empty film set that mm -hmm. we're just wandering around. Mm -hmm. um, and I think you've got you've got to go back in time for most of these as well because <laughs> most of the films now just they don't make as grand sets as I. Uh, you know, some there's some exceptions, definitely, mm -hmm. but obviously a lot of big sets were made back in the day when that was the only way to make it look good. Could be, could be a location, by the way. Could just be a location. Could, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, um, I think it's probably because I'm really interested in that kind of like behind the scenes, like set design stuff as well. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so it, options for me, I've got a few. I'll just throw out there that I thought again look amazing and would be really fun to be on and sort of experience in person. Um, hook was one that mm. initially came to mind because that looked brilliant sort of you know the big pirate ships the whole sort of that whole area that that film's obviously spent in it, mm -hmm. it just looks amazing i always thought that was amazing as a kid when i watched that um the cantina bar in star wars i think would be awesome to just have a drink in which we've sort of nearly done <laughs> When we went we to have. the secret cinema, what did we London do, Phil? A few years ago, we we bartered with uh, with uh, Han Solo and Chewbacca for passage on a ship to Alderaan. Uh, to Alderaan, we did, and it was awesome. It was really good. Yeah. But I think to be in the actual set with the Cantina band playing in the background, telling you know, with, <laughs> with someone telling you they don't like you, uh, that'd be good. He doesn't like you. <laughs> I don't like you either. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you could be I that guy that with the weird bum face. That could be you. <laughs> oh, bum, bum mouth. Off. Yeah, bum, bum mouth. Bum. Is that is Lucas originally called him bum mouth? I, I hope so. Yeah, like bum bum mouth or something. Salacious bum. Sal salacious be bum. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> uh what else oh Waterworld, because again we featured that recently in mm. video store corner and i think that was like the biggest film set that's ever been made would you much. be on the would you be on the, the actual floating set or would you be on the hawaiian island at the end when the guy sees the two corpses and he's just been, <laughs> he lived on the ocean for like 50 years of his life and he sees two corpses and goes we should bury them under the ground i believe <laughs> this was their way yeah it's the first thing that came to his mind uh no i'd be on the floating set because it looked fun yeah um even though it did yeah sink. is it what he did, it did what? sink it did so sink. i hope i hope you can swim i can i can luckily yeah um yeah so that's that's some options from me oh the other one i thought no i'm gonna let you speak now because I, well, I might spoil well thank you, you i mean i've been trying to get a word in um yeah. i i would say you know i i've gone two different routes with this I, i'll go down the set point as in the actual production and the, and the set values titanic um uh, obviously cameron relocated the uh and rebuilt the entire titanic in yeah. baja california on the 20th century fox backlot down there um literally just off the ocean 
you can still go there by the way there's the, the ship isn't there anymore of course but um uh obviously the the, the it's like a long kind of man-made lake that they built uh parallel to the ocean so you get the ocean behind it and you know when filming externally or along the side of the ship and obviously yeah. that ship was on a gimbal and and obviously sank itself so you know and, and flooded which was which would be awesome i'd love to to be on the set of that um i i also kind of thought about this question is not just about the set value but also about the filmmaking process um so you know answer the the film that i answer most of these questions with heat i would be on the set for the for 24 hours for the scene with de niro and pacino in the diner when they finally meet on screen for the first time right yeah um you know that's uh we've been face to face sure um want a cup of coffee um uh i'd love to be on that just just to witness that wow um and all the different takes that michael mann did from the different angles uh i think they only yeah. did it like they only went through it a few times which, is, which would be amazing one one that it would be really interesting really exciting to be on the set of and main mainly to maybe debunk or just to be part of the chaos would be the exorcist um so william yeah. friedkin's you know original uh the exorcist and uh, obviously there was a there's supposedly the exorcist curse around the the making of the movie yeah. um there was a, so much controversy because a lot of things happened on on set like really disturbing stuff on set so there were there obviously um you know there were there were like on set accidents um there was a, a mysterious fire as well that that happened and even a murder that took place by one of the cast members one of the actors that played a nurse uh, actually murdered somebody during the making of this this film really so yeah and 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 uh that basically the fire that took place burnt down the entire set apart from uh reagan the little girl who, who's who's possessed um obviously played by famously played by uh, Lin linda blair um uh the the only room that didn't burn down was her was reagan's room so Ooh, spooky so you know really spooky but i don't know i'd like to be on the set of that i'd like to see all that stuff go down and figure it out if it was real and then also you know make a documentary about it and become a millionaire <laughs> so i hope that answered the question sean um if not feel free to text us and uh tell us we're a pair of idiots but i very much enjoyed that one yeah yes thank you <laughs> yes so let's jump into news phil um we're not hanging around this week we're flying through it uh, i'll get us started off i've got some exciting news for you go on what if i what have i said to you these two names in parallel ready and i know you don't know about this yet okay the running man yes and edgar wright oh I'd be well excited. <laughs> so this is news that Edgar Wright has wow. signed on to direct an adaptation, film adaptation, of the Stephen King under his pseudonym book, The Running Man, also made famous by Phil Arnold. <laughs> Our pal Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. One of my favorite films, that. Really? Yeah, I love it. I love that film. Everything yeah, about that. It's just ridiculous. It's a ridiculous film, but I love it. I, I, I love think it. it's ridiculous purely for the fact that a man who is clearly Austrian in every way is called Ben Richards. Ben Richards, the most Amer American name he could have. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but yeah, so Edgar Wright has signed on. Uh, Edgar Wright has signed on to direct that. Um, wow. Really exciting. Obviously, Edgar Wright, for those of you not aware, uh, directed the Three Colors Cornetto trilogy. Um, you know, Short of the Dead, um, mm-hmm. the, the World's End, and Hot Fuzz. Uh, also, uh, One Night in Soho, which is coming out soon. It's currently, um, it's a, it's basically a, a romantic drama, apparently, that's uh, currently on ice, waiting for the cinemas to reopen. Um, so that's really exciting. Um, not sure who's going to cast in that yet. Hope, hopefully, not Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. I would say. Fucking <laughs> okay, no, I would want that. I, w- I want that. I mean, the thing is, the thing about this is that. I can get excited about it because I love the running man and I've got like, you know, I like, mm-hmm. I like it, but then in a weird coincidence, a couple of nights ago, I was flicking through channels on the TV and the remake of um, total recall was on mm-hmm. and I've not Farrell. seen it. I didn't mm-hmm. watch it. I didn't, I wasn't interested. Mm-hmm. I didn't think, it, you know, it needed to be made. And I watched about half an hour of it and I didn't, I couldn't, even compare the half an hour I saw to anything in the original. It was so mm. different. I just, and I just didn't like it. Uh, I think, you know, probably got a bit of prejudice against it, but I just, I don't, sure, it didn't need to be made, didn't it? It didn't need to be done. I mean, you can really say that didn't. about a lot of things, but, you know, why not? I mean, it was it was different in the in in the remake with, with, with Colin Farrell. They didn't go to Mars. It was they were experiencing no. Mars through the the recall unit, or they yeah. were experiencing, you know, they're, they're in London so, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it, weird. it does have Kate Beckinsale in it. Yeah, I mean, winner and Brian Cranston. Love of my life, you are the. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, what are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> about Brian Cranston. <laughs> oh, oh, good. Yeah, Brian Cranston. Okay, cool. Good, good. Um, yeah. So, in other news as well, Disney Plus. Uh, have just announced that in Europe, as of the 23rd of February, which is three days from the date of recording today, you'll be able to watch a vast amount of 20th Century Fox movies with mature content on Disney+. Plus. So if you use Disney+, Plus in Europe, pretty soon you're going to have access to a lot of adult content, finally, meaning that you can access uh, Disney's obviously recently acquired um, vast array of, of, of 20th Century Fox films and back catalogue. Um, in the US, they're not going to take this approach because their Hulu streaming platform has pretty much all of that content available to it. Um, and it's seen as kind of more of the mature the mature platform versus Disney+, Plus, which will stay for now as a more child-friendly platform in the US. Right. So really good news you know usually europe is kind of behind the us with that kind of release that kind of announcement for example you still don't have hbo max which is crazy mm. um with all of the the new releases that warner brothers are putting on there um so good news you're going to be able to watch these these movies and you know it features you know die hard movies predator aliens all these these films they're going to be available for you to stream uh right there on disney plus as of 23rd of february oh that sounds exciting Philip, what have you got for us? Uh, what have I got? Oh, uh, yeah. So this is quite an exciting one. So t- Tim Burton is going to be directing a Netflix show uh, centering on Wednesday Adams of the Adams family. Because I think for quite a while he's been wanting to bring back the Adams family in some form onto TV. Um, so, yeah, it's a live action action show uh they've netflix has described it as a a sleuthing supernaturally infused mystery charting 
uh, mystery <laughs> charting <A> Wednesday. <laughs> supernatural. Sorry. <laughs> Sucker and suckle dance. A floating supernatural mystery. <laughs> Let me get on with the news, please. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so just basically um, charting uh, Wednesday's years as a student at the peculiar Nevermore Academy. Hmm. So that could be that could be interesting. Oh, wait, I'm a fan of Tim Burton stuff. So yeah, and I, he, he always you know does well. It's weird. <laughs> so... It's weird how how Tim Burton esque the two Barry Sonnenfeld Adams Family movies are. I know, and yeah. the fact that he then went on Burton himself went on to adapt the Dark Shadows TV show into a movie. Yeah, he's actually taking that kind of reversal step. And mm. um, I mean, it's been a long time since I've been excited about Tim Burton news. I yeah. don't know about you. It's been it's been a while. I'm trying you know, to think. What unless he did it's last animation, I would say, like Frankenweenie, I I loved, for example, mm. of his more recent output. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. But then you just got to remember Batman, and it was his hands, and and it's everything. Wouldn't get a guy with glasses, would you? <laughs> and everything's good again. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, this one, I think you'll like. I don't. I don't think you would have heard about this. Um, so uh, Adam Wingard, the um, filmmaker, has yep, <laughs> is going to be directing a Face Off remake. <laughs> please, please, please tell me it's with John Travolta and Nicholas Cage. I don't think it's going to be. They haven't said. <laughs> um, so as we know, so the original one, uh, whatever year that, ninety seven, I think the original one was, mm -hmm. and it was mm -hmm. directed by John Woo. Mm -hmm. uh, and for those that don't know, I mean, why you wouldn't have seen this, I don't know, but uh, it's got an outlandish storyline <laughs> that sees John Travolta playing an FBI agent. Uh, her who is on an all-consuming mission to catch terrorist Caster Troy, who is Nicolas Cage, uh, who killed his son. And, yeah, they, like, swap faces. He takes his face <laughs> off. <laughs> it's an insane film. I like it, though. Yeah. Um, possibly seeing Nicolas Cage just in all-out batshit crazy mode for the entire film mm -hmm. is great fun so well, Wingard we talked about last week coming in from we did. Hot, from Godzilla versus yeah, exactly yeah so I was going to say because you know he's, he's coming out with that soon and you know he as we yeah. as we mentioned last week he'd done uh the Blair Witch remake and yep. sort of more horror stuff the guest yep. yeah um so who knows I don't again it doesn't need to be done does it let's be honest I mean it's face John off Woo it's knows. Like... <laughs> John Woo knows um will adam win guard <laughs> or will he lose guard <laughs> oh my god and that's the news <laughs> yeah uh so i'll jump into trailers um it was super bowl sunday uh last weekend was it last weekend or the weekend before the weekend uh, before yeah um, which meant that, as ever we saw a couple of great super bowl spots commercials and uh, and adverts and obviously trailers um this for me the first one was the falcon and winter soldier on disney plus the new mcu series which is going to follow on from uh wandavision um looks fun it it, it does look a little bit generic i'm not going to lie um right. i think these two characters in the mcu the falcon and the winter soldier um they are a little a little dry 
Um, they need to do a lot to kind of flesh out their characters. They're going down a kind of buddy cop route with this, it looks like, a kind of, uh, you know, lethal weapon type um, kind of shared hatred, hate, hatred slash mutual respect type right. approach, which could it could be interesting, it could be fun. Yeah, um, but it's Marvel, so I'm I'm gonna lap it up. Um, and the other is a, an interesting little movie from M Night Shyamalan uh, called Old, which is based on a graphic novel, and it's, it's basically about a group of bathers on a beach one day who all start to appear to age at an incredibly advanced rate. <laughs> right. Um, it looks. It looks really bad. I'm not going to lie. It does look bad. However, with Shyamalan, you never know if it's bad or good. For example, Lady in the Water, incredible. Um, the Happening, um, Mark Wahlberg running away from, from the wind. <laughs> the trees blowing in the wind. Yeah. The trees blow and he's like, let's go. We got to go. The wind's blowing. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that actually happens. Um, it's always a fine line between between genius and and catastrophe. I think mm. with, with with this director. I, I mean, you know, I don't want to like he's incredibly talented and way more talented than I ever will be. But um, you know, you just never know. And uh, this is this looks interesting. It's actually also a return to his his more filmic roots. Um, recently, he's been working a lot with Bloomhouse, um, and he's been shooting a lot digitally. He has actually hasn't shot anything on film since. 2010's the last airbender um but in in general um this is a film that's going to be shot on film stock so his right. first kind of more filmic looking and also the trailer announces that it will be seen in theaters so that's yet to be seen but it should be coming out this summer um and then finally hbo's zach snyder's justice league gets an all-new black and white trailer um, showing off loads of new stuff that was cut out, that was reshot, that was you know new CGI that was added, new villains, um, new scenes, everything. Um, honestly, I, I I know there's such a viral buzz around this movie, but I'm just not into it whatsoever. Not bothered. Um, I, no, I'm not. I'm not into it at all. Um, I, I I'm obviously going to watch it because I have HBO Max and it's going to be on the platform. Um, I'm just I'm just a bit done with with the DC shared universe um and you know even the many of the, the actors and the, the characters and that kind of thing you know wonder woman for me didn't work wonder woman the latest wonder woman 84 didn't work um batman versus superman didn't work uh aquaman was really fun actually but maybe doesn't shouldn't exist in this kind of shared universe where it becomes a little bit more serious mm. um the only character really that i quite enjoy is um the flash and and he kind of comes across really well. He maybe came across better in the Joss Whedon rescripted version of the and redirected version of the Justice League, just because of the I would say the more lightness in tone to Joss Whedon and his his more kind of higher preference for comedy over Zack Snyder's. Um, yeah. I don't know how it's going to come across in this, but it just looks like drudgery and you know boredom and and that kind of thing. So uh, I don't know. It looks okay. I'll I'll watch it, but. I'm not pumped for it. Mm. Phil, cheer me up. What have you been watching? <laughs> Trailers. Well, I'm going to say two words to you. Mortal Kombat. You can't say it like that. Say it properly. Mortal Kombat! <laughs> Was that better? <laughs> oh, Mortal Kombat! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so this is the new... Because I mean, we did this on Video Store Corner 
a few episodes a while ago, last year, and um, the greatest slash worst movie of all time. Yeah, the nineteen ninety five classic, which is about to have its crown taken, smashed, smashed, and fucking trodden on <laughs> by Goro. Um, yeah, so this is the new one that's coming out in April. Mm. Uh, oh, blimey! So I don't know where to start with it. Really, I mean it. it it looks like. Does it every- have a techno soundtrack? <laughs> no, but weirdly, at no. the end, when they bring up the same graphic, it has like a a, a version of the techno thing. What? But like dun, it's dun, 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 yeah, dun, sort dun, dun, of. Dun. But it's like it's like the themes there, but it's not techno. It's like you know they're just <laughs> well, like alluding to it. <laughs> a piano. Kano with like a test really soulful your woman. might yeah. test your might <laughs> I wish, I wish. Uh, but yeah it looks probably like a Mortal Kombat fan it looks like everything they'd want really apart from there's no Johnny Cage in the trailer oh and fuck off I know. What's that about? I mean, he was clearly one of the best things about the Those best five hundred dollars sunglasses. The best things about the ninety-five one, and he's not in the trailer. I don't know if that's been explained why he's not in it, or if he will be later. Who knows? But it looks incredibly violent. It's like ultra gory, as you'd expect. It's sort of like what you felt like the other one should have been, goriness wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, all CGI Goro, though, <laughs> of course. Okay, and. Um, the one thing that worked in the original gets replaced. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yes. And yeah, but there looks like there's a really cool like fight between Sub Zero and Scorpio and Yep. You know, there's Scorpio. Uh, Scorpio Scorpion. Scorpio. Scorpion. <laughs> Scorpion. And um, My favourite star sign. <laughs> I am a Scorpio, did you know that? Um Are you? Yeah. Get over here. <laughs> That's I wonder why you're wearing all yellow and a face mask. <laughs> oh no, that's the pandemic. <laughs> that's my pandemic costume. When you when you pull your face off, have you got just a flaming skull underneath? Yeah, and a, and a, <laughs> and a lizard's tongue of some description. Uh, yeah, so it looks crazy, but there's some mm. cool-ish looking scenes in the trailer. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. It's though. a re. It's a remake. Yeah, it's not like a continuation. Oh, it's not a continuation. It's like a backstory thing. I think you see. Okay the beginnings of scorpion um scorpion begins i should call it yeah uh and there there is the get over here line in that film in the trailer guessing okay in that exact tone or is it just like someone going you know a new more should we say you know 21st century pc version of someone going get over here man (laughs) it's not it's a bit it's between the two Mm. he says it through a muffled mask so um, so that's that. Mortal like Kenny. <laughs> okay. Um, so I think we're definitely going to have to review that, aren't we? That's coming yes, out in April. HBO Max, baby. HBO Max, yeah. And then the other one I saw, um, just again, sort of flicking through trailers, was um, about a film called Tides, which is the new uh, Roland Emmerich executive oh. produced film. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, I got your hopes up, with, didn't I? So it's not directed; it's, it's directed by um, Tim Felborn. He's a, it's a German uh, sci-fi thriller. So it looks mm-hmm. pretty cool, though. It looks very, you know, nicely stylized and everything. So it's set in the uh, the dist like a real distant future. 
mm-hmm. uh, a female astronaut gets shipwrecked on a long decimated earth and must i don't know why she gets to decide but it must decide the fate of the wasteland's remaining populace so it's okay. yeah so it's very you know she June. you just see her on this beach and it's all foggy and then some some people come along and you know it's all everyone's ultra violent and mm. as they are at the end of the world mad and, max yeah mad max basically so it looks interesting mm. though it, it looks like it could be really cool so that's that's called tides mad maximilian <laughs> and that's out in march tides okay tides. yeah that does sound good yeah you picked up on way better trailers than me i've got to say <laughs> well, we, what mortal kombat pretty... I'm going to watch that Mortal Kombat trailer. Yeah. And I will be reporting on it on our social media. You should. Very good. All right. Anything else from you? No. No, that's it. All right. Well, let's move on down to the re- Yeah, you can you can you No, you can't go. You got to do the next review. <laughs> oh, okay. Speaking of which, <laughs> here's our review section. So, Philip, yes. uh, yes. you you sat down to watch Boss Level this week i did i also watched it uh but you yourself were adamant that you wanted to review this based on the trailer that you discussed last week was it last was well, it last, only last week last that i mentioned it yes it was wow it we was. weren't really ahead of the game really with the trailer and the no <laughs> the film coming out <laughs> no it was like by the way if you know about this film let's watch the trailer oh actually we can watch it now as well <laughs> um but uh you sat down to watch boss level tell us about it what do you I think i did so um, yeah, I watched the trailer and was very excited by this. So this this is basically, I think the best way to describe it is Groundhog Day meets Die Hard. Um, and it's it's an action comedy uh, in which Frank Grillo uh, plays an ex-Special Forces uh, guy <laughs> called Roy Pulver. And he's having a very bad day. Um Actually, he's having exactly the same very bad day as he's been having for a long time. How can the same shit happen to the same guy 250 (laughs) times? And this would be due to the fact that he is being forced to relive that day in a loop, which happens to be uh, the day that a highly trained team of assassins are hunting him down in in, like really over-the-top and hilariously violent ways. Uh, And they are also having a lot of success in doing so. So, in his uh, exhaustive search to find out how to avoid death and why it's happening uh, to him, uh, we begin to see that it's something to do with scientist ex-wife Gemma, played by Naomi Watts, uh, and her evil controlling boss, Colonel Clive Venter, played by Mel Gibson. He's been a busy man recently, hasn't he? He's made a yeah, lot of stuff. He's, been very he's featured a lot recently on this week. Yeah. I think we've every week we've mentioned Mel Gibson for um, quite a while now. No, don't bring me into this. Every week you've mentioned <laughs> Mel Gibson. I don't know why. Fucking Mel Gibson. Welcome to the Mel Mouth Podcast with your host, <laughs> Phil. Phil Gibson. And nobody else. <laughs> um now, let's be honest, the uh, the reliving the same day plot has been forgive the pun done to death um so obviously and, and over again <laughs> and over again so you know you've got groundhog day leading the pack you've also got recent stuff like happy death day um palm springs which you watched Love. and um what's the other one edge that comes to mind uh russian doll Ed- edge of 
Edge of Tomorrow. Oh, Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, there's another the one. Yeah. yeah, I didn't even yeah. think about that one. Russian Doll series on Netflix as well. Mm -hmm. Again, mm -hmm. similar sort of thing. She dies every day, basically, and wakes up again. Um, You know, but this film really does have fun with it. It's mm -hmm. um, so director Joe Carnahan. He previously he's done uh, The Grey um with um liam neeson he did the a team the newer a team which was out well quite a while ago now mm -hmm. um but mm -hmm. uh and also smoking aces as well mm -hmm. um he's obviously got a good eye for action and i think he does it he does a good job um performances in it were pretty good overall i thought that frank Grio was fantastic as a lead action star um he's got real comedy skills i think this is like a perfect role for him yeah. um and they go along with the ridiculous amount of muscle he seems to have <laughs> as well. Yeah. Uh, and he does a great job. You're right. You're getting a little bit. I've uh, got a little bit the love hearts in your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I was not expecting that. Um, uh, oh, I was going to have a fan myself. Do you want to take a minute? Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, and he does. <laughs> Guys, I can see Phil. You don't want to know what he what he just did. <laughs> um, where was I? Anyway, yeah. So he does a really good job uh, showing you just how exhausting it would be to have a knife wielding assassin waking you up every morning by trying to kill you. Um, Naomi Watts doesn't. She's great generally. I you know, but I think in this she doesn't really have a chance to shine. It's not going to be that kind of role no. where it's like ultra serious. It's just yeah. a fun thing um and then other than that mel gibson is playing evil mel gibson as we've seen mm -hmm. before in expendables mm -hmm. 3 it's basically exactly the same character as expendables 3 and yeah. um uh, machete kills as well yeah. um but there's also some good supporting turns from michelle yo uh, will sasso and ken jong as well amazing um, cast yeah it's really, really good amazing. Yeah. um uh overall i i really enjoyed it i think it's 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 the perfect kind of film for you to just zone out and enjoy it without having to put too much into effort uh too much effort into thinking about what's going on um mm. story-wise it's it's nothing as i said it's nothing groundbreaking at all but mm. it's more than enough to keep you interested it's funny it's really well paced it, it's you know it's nice and fast action and it, it seems just about the right length as well it looks really good there's some brilliant set pieces and action scenes but i think one thing that slightly lets it down is some dodgy looking visual effects in some of the scenes mm -hmm. don't get me wrong like most of the most of the effects and the the violent deaths and all the gore and everything look really good and mm. they, but i think some of the bigger like explosion stuff there's one scene in particular where he like remote blows up like a car in the distance mm -hmm. And it just looks, it looks pretty bad. It looks really helicopter. quite, yeah. Yeah. And the helicopter, it just looks quite amateur. It looks like, you know, you've bought an effects pack for your visual effects yeah. software and you're pressing the explosion buttons kind of thing. Yeah. And it's, it's just the scenes where it would have obviously cost them a lot more to do it, like to blow up like a model helicopter. I don't know. It just, I think that's the only thing that lets it down. A couple of little bits looked a bit rough for me, but that aside, it, I think, you know, if you want some ridiculous over the top action comedy fun uh it's it's well worth a watch but what, what did you think of it because you watched it as well didn't you um yeah I, I also really liked it um and i i 
I would agree with everything that you say. I think, you know, it, it was the performances were really, really good. The action was great. It, I laughed a lot. Um, and it was at the end of a long day for me as well when I was watching this. And I, mm. I honestly, it really kind of cheered me up. Um, I think, you know, Frank Grillo, as you as you say, in the lead role, um, and unusual to see him in a, in a lead role. Yeah. Um, he's usually a very, very good supporting, you know, you know, uh, cast unless it's, you know, one of the Blumhouse type, you know, Purge type movies. But um, I think he was really, really good in this. I liked how they didn't necessarily have to keep setting up the premise about the fact that he was repeating the same day over and over again. It was kind of clear. Um, and they have a lot of fun with it. It's so much fun with him waking up every day and like <laughs> the different moods he's in, you know, yeah. some some days when he and this isn't a spoiler, but because there's so much going on in this movie. Some days when he wants to get out of bed and, you know, try and figure out what's going on. Some days when he just wants to, to stay in bed because he's depressed or whatever. And he just gives up, you know, and, and all those scenes I thought were amazing. They must have like filmed a lot like for this. They yeah. must have done a lot of filming they keep going through the stuff. same. Yeah. Yeah. Good, really well edited in that in that regard. Very choppily edited, very yeah. rapid and it never lets up. I, for me, I think the, the one thing that let it down, I would say, was the ending again which i won't spoil mm -hmm. um but i found it, it a, a movie that starts so bombastically um obviously it's impossible to maintain um and it does go to a really nice um you know uh like heart-filled you know family-centric kind of place yeah which is good which is nice it mm -hmm. gives the film some heart and some grounding and it gives the mission you know some purpose but it did for me peter out at the end which mm -hmm. i was i was kind of you know not, not great about i also thought that mel gibson was fairly underutilized i felt like he could have been a little bit more comedic I, I felt like he was a bit too he wasn't kind of because he wasn't kind of aware of the goings-on in general i felt like he wasn't having he didn't wasn't really having a lot of fun with the role it's kind of yeah funny yeah bit. i think you're right it's because of the because of his character didn't know what was happening so he's just reacting as normal wasn't he whereas yeah uh, yeah it sort of made it a bit more boring in that way i think it did but he had I that he had a really cool speech in it in the middle with naomi he had a really he good scene with naomi once so it was really good again we won't spoil yeah it. he did he had his he had his ezekiel moment from yeah fiction that's for sure um but yeah i mean in in, in the most part I, I, I did really enjoy it it's funny actually talk you talking about the effects and the budget i looked into it basically i was sitting there thinking joe carnahan he's like one of the big directors in in hollywood like he gets all the projects he's a writer as well um you know he's the the studios love him um and he's he's also very very good at maintaining ensemble casts like this mm -hmm. um basically what happened around this movie around the budget is that 20th century fox originally uh put this movie into production um but eventually decided not to move forward with it because joe carnahan uh was had the final say on the lead performance the lead performer and he um obviously auditioned frank grillo and as soon as he auditioned him he said this is the lead and 20th century fox disagreed with him so Ooh. they pulled the plug on the project completely pulled the budget um so joe had to then basically shop this around and what he did he did a really smart move he released joe, uh, frank grillo's audition tape on twitter <laughs> and it got a viral following at which eventually pushed this movie into a uh independent production and right. some independent producers then stumped up the cash to kind of fund it, um, which is why, you know, it's not clearly not filmed in, in New York, you know, even though they say it's in New York at certain points and that kind of thing. Um, and the effects aren't aren't always that great. So it was really a case of him backing his actor 
which is yeah. a, a you know very hard you know going up against 20th century fox that's good though at that time at that time yeah is it, it's good to hear um but it you know what the effect on the the kind of final product is we'll, we'll never know um but really interesting in that he enjoyed working with grillo so much that he's actually joe carnahan has signed grillo on uh for his next movie um which is another action movie uh this time pitching him against movie mouth favorite gerard let's play a game of fuck off you go first butler <laughs> in cop shop which is where a small town police station becomes a battleground between jerry butler's professional hitman and grillo's con man who's seeking refuge in a prison cell um, basically with nowhere left to run and they end up stuck in this this uh police department together that sounds um, fun. so I mean, I'm Gerard well, Butler I'm and well Frank Grillo. <laughs> well me that. too. Yeah. You know, with this level of writing and co hopefully comedy, um, so that's coming next from, from Joe Carnahan. And I would say, if you like, if you like your movies, like a, um, you know, I would say like a kind of fun Saturday night popcorn fair. Um, I would say this is on par with Zombieland. It's yeah, that kind of movie. It is. Yeah, it's like got a very kind similar of feel. Zippy, fun, well edited, uh, well directed. Um, you know, pacey and doesn't hang around too long kind of action movie, then it definitely gets a recommend from me as well. Brilliant. So where can uh, where can the folks watch this film? Uh, so that's going to be, it's, uh, it's on Hulu, I believe, uh, in the US. I'm not sure about over here. Um, it's Video on demand, I would say. Yeah, I think it's video on, on demand. But yeah, I think most places it's been out because uh, it's mainly coming out early next month, early March. Mm -hmm. uh, it's been out it's, it's in certain places a... already. It's been, I think it came out in like Australia first. Um, yeah, it came out in 2020, didn't it? Yeah, in Australia. yeah, like mm. the end of, which is um, how we managed to watch it. But yeah, it's yeah. so it's just... That's As it's it. a Hulu original, that means Disney bought the rights, the, 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 uh, the rights to it, so from a distribution perspective. So... Who knows? You may see it on Disney Plus as part of the adult content rollout. But yeah, maybe. I would keep your eyes peeled on this one because it was a really, really good movie. And just find it where you can and, and check it out. Okay. So from the fun, heady heights of that uh, to my review, which is Judas and the Black Messiah, a Warner Brothers production uh, released this year. Uh, again, another one of the uh, Warner Brothers cinematic releases being given a US-wide home release on their HBO Max streaming platform. So you can watch it at home or you can see it in theaters internationally or in non-major New York, LA markets in, in the US. So Judas and the Black Messiah is a true story. It's based on the early days of the US Black Panther movement following the assassination of Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. This stars Get Out actor uh, Daniel Kaluuya as Fred Hampton, the charismatic and vocal chairman of the Illinois chapter of the Black Panthers, and Lakeith Stanfield as Wild Bill, an undercover African-American FBI informant tasked by J. Edgar Hoover with sharing incriminating evidence into the goings-on in Fred's ever-growing powerful grip on the proletariat society in Chicago. <laughs> yes, I did write that sentence and I didn't put any punctuation in it. Um, <laughs> This also has a really great turn from the ever solid uh, Jesse Plemons, um, who you'll know from I'm Thinking of Ending Things uh, or Breaking Bad, here showing his promise as a challenger to Philip Seymour Hoffman's supporting character actor throne, and Martin Sheen 
wearing some incredible prosthesis as he portrays a later years and rather racist J. Edgar Hoover. Um, this is a really absorbing biopic uh, with some moments of tension, incredible performances from the two leads. Daniel Kaluuya as Fred Hampton has a really calm, uh, gentle exterior, yet you can see he's kind of bubbling with rage and rhetoric. And he comes to life in the scenes uh, that portray his kind of socialist and civil rights teachings to his followers. Um, the speech is being lifted directly from uh, Hampton's own recordings. Um, and obviously, you know, uh, Daniel Kaluuya actually delivering them in with incredible range mm. um, and an incredible um, accent as well, of course, because he, he's a he has a British accent. Um, his performance is is absolutely breathless. It's impassioned. It's one of the strongest performances I've seen in a long time. Um, it's it was almost, to be honest, easy to write him off as a fairly passive force in a lot of the pictures that I'd seen him in until until recently. Right. Um, and I, this is going to shock many people listening to this, but I think this film elevates him to an almost peak Al Pacino level of pathos um, with so much vulnerability and, and conviction. And he absolutely fucking commands the screen oh. when he's on it. Uh, he's a, a, an incredible physical performance as well. Um, amazing. Um Lakeith Stanfield, uh, also of Get Out fame, you will have known he was the guy in the kind of weird, kind of like old school hat and suit that was always around around the house in in Get Out. Um, but was also for me, it came to my attention from FX's Donald uh, Glover starring Atlanta t uh, TV series. He plays the the kind of opposite to to Fred Hampton. He's the the sneaky ex con who, during an incredible one shot opening scene paying homage to Goodfellas era Scorsese, commits a crime while pretending to be an FBI agent. Jesse Plemons, FBI handler, then manipulating him uh, by the catch-22 of either putting him in jail or getting him to rat out on the very people in his neighborhood who are fighting for, a, fighting for their civil rights, for their freedom. Um, so... It's a it's a moral dilemma story, and that starts to come into focus as the movie progresses, and it becomes more of a tense psychological uh, thriller focusing on on Lakeith Stanfield's character, um, which I won't obviously go into any more detail in to avoid any spoilers. Yeah, due to the subject matter and probably how I'm explaining this movie, it could be a really heavy film to digest. However, not unlike Movie Mouth's film of 2020, The Trial of, Sh of the Chicago Seven which, by the way, also serves as a companion piece to this because the plotline surrounding Black Panther leader Bobby Seale, um, which is also referenced throughout Judas and the Black Messiah, um, is, is obviously a, a natural kind of segue between the two films. Um, it's never bogged down in politics. And rather, it's, it's more the human side of the struggles of this time and this community. And perhaps even now, of course, mm. um, again, parallels to George Floyd and, and so on with with many of the, the, the killings that, are, you know, obviously portrayed at the hands of the, the, the Chicago PD in this in this film. And the personal impact of a life fighting for the people. I think Fred represents that, you know, giving up his life on behalf of of making people's lives better. And uh, while Bill, the Keith Stanfield character um, who's undercover is has more of the impact of a of a selfish life selling out the people that Fred should be helping, you know. Um, so it's a it's a really nice kind of dichotomy between the two. 
What I have to say about this is how magnificent it looks. It's hard to believe that director-writer Shaka King has barely any credits to his name. Um, mostly they're in television. Uh, the thing I've seen of his was High Maintenance on HBO, uh, which he directed many episodes of. Um, great writing, incredible performances that he manages to get from this cast. I mean, incredible performances. Mm. Um, and some beautiful camera work. Like, I love cinematography. I love camera work. This film is gorgeous. The lighting is gorgeous. There's a scene where they pull up outside of a of a, of a a bar and you see the fluorescent name of the bar mirrored in the glass as they're looking through the car window. Incredible. Mm. Um, and there's the period setting as well of the time. is It's, you know, you, it's believable. Um, I'm so sad, though, that I couldn't see this in a cinema because it is a filmgoer's dream. It's this is honestly filmmaking of the highest degree um and i'm really really excited to see what what shaka does next because i'm not exaggerating when i say he is going to be the next big thing in filmmaking off of this mm. off of the fact that he has barely any film it credits his last film before this i think was 2013 right um and he's only really done two movies in, in his career so far this guy is going to be huge um judas and the black messiah Two incredible performances, an incredible ensemble cast, and a a star making director directorial turn uh, on a massive scale. Um, if you can see this film, um, as I said, don't be worried. You're going to be bogged down in politics and and you know and 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 detail. Um, it's actually a very you know in terms of uh, the content, very light you know thriller around around these two these two characters. And uh, yeah, you should check it out now. It's available on HBO Max in the US. It's available uh, on video on demand, I believe, throughout the world. And you can also visit and watch this in cinemas, which is, if I could do it, I absolutely would do. So I urge our listeners to go check it out. Sounds good. Good. <laughs> good. <laughs> Recommendation from me. So, Philip. Yes. Get your dancing shoes on. It's time for this. Hello, sir. Welcome to the video shop. Uh, uh, oh, can I help you? Uh, hi. Y yes. Um, I'm looking for something completely fucking insane on video to oh, watch yes. tonight. Yes, I've got just a thing for you, sir. Uh, how about a um? This is a film from 1995 and uh, features oh. uh, Denzel Washington and okay. and a and a young Russell Crowe. Oh, Amer American Gangster. No, it's not. It's it's earlier than that. It this is 1995. Uh, virtuosity. <laughs> <laughs> I'll You're I'll take it and I'll take I'll take that and I'll take that bag of butter kissed popcorn and bag a large popcorn. bottle of Sprite to go. Was slash puppy to go with that. Uh, no. Nope. Uh, is right. that a euphemism? Fuck yourself. That... <laughs> take the video. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's 1995's Virtuosity. Remember? No, we didn't either. <laughs> film you've never heard about. Yeah, this came to my attention. I was I was scrolling through Hulu one night in my hotel here in Miami, Florida, and uh, I I think because I'd watched so many Denzel Washington films recently, it came up as recommended. <laughs> or was it was it because of my browsing history? It came up as recommended. I'm not quite sure. Um, 
so I didn't, I vaguely, vaguely remember the name, but I, I didn't remember anything about this. How about you? Uh, I've never heard of this until you said, watch this trailer. We're doing this for Video Store Corner. And I watched it and I was like, what the fuck is this? We are watching this. I've never heard of this. So let me jump into the plot. Uh, Virtuosity sees a former cop who's been imprisoned for murdering the psychopath who killed his family. Parker Barnes, played by the legendary Denzel Washington, is recruited to test out a new virtual reality program where the goal is to apprehend a computer-generated being called Sid 6.7, here played by (laughs) Russell Crowe, who has been modelled on hundreds of deranged criminals such as Charles Manson and Adolf Hitler. When Sid manages to escape into the real world, Barnes must capture or destroy him before the soulless entity can go on a killing spree. <laughs> wow. So if you if you had read that, let's say mid-90s in a video store, you'd seen that on the back, you saw Crow, you saw Washington, you read that, you're renting it. Sold. This is what I love about video stores in those days. Because you didn't have access to the internet and you didn't really have access to trailers, all you knew was the cover and the blurb. And you would go into a video store and you would look around and you would see a film that could be incredible or a, f- a film that could be shit. For example, mm. you basically had um, Blade Runner next to Weekend at Bernie's 2, Bernie in Paradise. Both you know what I mean? And you never... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you would just pick up that video, you would rent it, you would go home, and that, and then you would figure out whether or not it was good, right? Yeah. This is the whole point of Video Store the reason Video Store Corner exists is because of films like Virtuosity. That's <laughs> true. So, um, basically, we have Denzel, who's trying to track down our, our pal Sid 6.7, his actual character name, and he's referred to Sid as Sid 6.7 throughout this film. It's never referred to as Sid. It's always no. Sid 6.7. 6. Um, this, is, this is not a good movie. <laughs> That's quite an understatement, yeah. But it is also, like 1995's Mortal Kombat, the greatest movie of all time. And that's because it has some of the most insane moments of any movie you've ever seen. Um, in, I mean, I don't even know where to start. What, what, what would you say is the best thing about this movie, Phil? The best thing? Um... The best thing, <laughs> I think, the fact that this feels so nineties, like compared to any other film I've seen for ages, even though it's set in the two thousands, I think. It, oh, it's it? set in nineteen ninety nine. Four years after they it's, thought they'd know, have this level of technology. It, like, do you know what? Right when it first, the first scene, you see um, Parker Barnes and his. Uh, mate getting off a train and uh, in a like cop uniforms and the only way i can describe this i initially thought i was watching demolition man exactly um because it's very similar that kind of like it's the future uh yeah. and they're wearing that kind of weird costume that no one would ever wear what about the three seashells <laughs> and I, I actually really like the opening scene just like it, so it turns out they're in virtual reality that you mm-hmm. don't realize straight away until mm-hmm. wait you're like wait a minute everyone's wearing a gray suit like everyone 
and no one's acknowledging it, them it, apart from like it was very the matrix yeah exactly that opening exactly scene was, I, I was thinking this is the matrix yeah, yeah. um yes yeah, it's like the matrix without the budget <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and the special oh no there was budget <laughs> some couple of quid and a, and a toffee crisp given to the effects <laughs> but it's yeah i think it just feels so like the soundtrack is like it's like a techno type soundtrack isn't it mm -hmm. like um, oh yeah and yeah i just thought i mean <laughs> there's so much to, to to dig into i think let's, that... let's start let's start with the performances let's start with the performances so denzel washington Parker dry. Barnes. Dry. very dry <laughs> very dry very dry <laughs> considering considering that he is supposedly a mass murderer he is actually a mass murderer in this by the way so he's playing a mass murderer um who oh, yeah. killed yeah, yeah he, he killed uh he killed a lot of people and he killed uh, a mass murderer and he also killed his family <laughs> by accident <laughs> no, yeah, by um yeah and he also killed a film crew uh by accident by accident in parentheses because he blew them away he was in um, a rage <laughs> yeah he's very dry and he's he hasn't got a lot to say has he in this which no. is unlike denzel because he's very his roles are usually very commanding aren't they yeah and in this he's more passive i would say yeah it's just um, a really undenzel like role i think <laughs> but uh, is it just uh, is he just more passive because you have russell crowe in this who is fucking dialed up to 11 oh throughout God. every scene that he's in is it just the fact that russell crowe has been as sid 6.7 the virtual reality a computer criminal now on the loose in the real world um has been lifted straight out of a 90s batman villain role like he yeah. is the most joker or like Harvey Two Face Dent type yeah. character. It's it's like imagine imagine Jim Curry in Liar Liar mixed with the Joker and then just dial it up by about a hundred, <laughs> yeah. and that explains what Russell Crowe is like for this entire film, where he's like yeah. giggling and <laughs> just making odd little noises. He's a shit, isn't he? He's, he's a, a little shit. shit. Yeah, he yeah. is. He's evil, obviously, because he's got the mind of 186 different serial killers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, including Adolf Hitler. <laughs> At no Adolf. point does he speak German, though, does he? Like, no. 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 He doesn't have a little moustache either. There's, a, there's an animation yeah. in the fancy animation. Oh, the animation in this is oh, it's on par with Darkman, isn't it, in it's, some places? Yeah, it really is. Um, I mean, the one thing that... A little observation I've got about is because <laughs> Sid gets brought into the real world by um, a weird, crazy scientist man that turns yes. crazy for like zero reason. Like it doesn't; mm -hmm. it just seems odd the way he mm -hmm. decides. Yeah, do you know what? Fuck it! I'll bring this guy into the. He's supposed to be manipulated by his creation, isn't he? Yeah, that's the thing. It's it's it like was... Frankenstein's monster. He wants to he wants to see the full potential of his creation. But yeah. I agree, it's not really, it's not given any uh, groundwork. It's just like no. one minute he's like scared of him, and the next minute he's like desperate to bring him into the real yeah, world and he's stop whispering it. In his ear, like Vigo to what's his name? Exactly. Ghostbusters Do too. Dr. Dr. Janosch Poha. Yeah. Ghostbusters too. <laughs> Call me Janosch. He's Vigo. So it's <laughs> 6.7. So he brings him into the world and he gets born out of a weird latex blue egg. 
doesn't he? Yeah, and he, does. he, <laughs> he looks like he looks like Crichton from Red Dwarf when he comes out of that egg. It's he? so fucking weird. <laughs> uh, and also, he. He's... Uh, sir, I believe that Sid six point seven is coming out of an egg. <laughs> Sumi, Sid six point seven. Uh, so yeah, he comes out of an egg, a blue egg. I don't. Why would there be an egg? There's no. There's no reason for that. No nanobots. Um, and he uh, comes into the world naked, a la Terminator. You know, in a little ball. Very much so. That's very much. And then, T-1000, I would say. So there's Very a scene that um, Russell Crowe comes out naked and there's a, a scene where it's like, you know, there's a convenient, conveniently placed glass jar which hides his man sausage, isn't there? Like while he's talking. I, he's just know, I didn't pay attention to that. Did you? I don't know what it says about you, but I wasn't paying attention <laughs> to that scene. Them. Yeah. <laughs> so the man sausage in, this There's a scene and he's talking and he's like, coming to the world and there's a glass jar in the way of of the privates. And you yep. think, oh, that's good. You don't have to like, you know, stare at his balls or his ass or whatever. Yeah. Next scene is very drawn out. He's then walking away from the camera <laughs> and completely start naked. No glass jar. Mm. Uh and they force you to stare at Russell Crowe's ass for a good 30 seconds. And I'm going to use this. I never thought I'd do this, but I'm going to use the same word again. The underballs that we saw in uh, Roadhouse. Like underball. <laughs> I can, your eyes are just, why is it you can't help but look at look for the balls? Like when you see. I don't know. I feel like this is from a completely different podcast, though, Phil. I feel like. <laughs> You realise I'm not your therapist, right? <laughs> Why? Why do I always look for the balls? I'm always looking at underball. I can't stop. Say, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So if you want to see Russell Crowe's balls swimming yeah. freely mm -hmm. uh, next to a computer, mm -hmm. go for it. <laughs> that, they should have put that on the poster. Um, <laughs> I um, Yeah, I mean, I didn't even notice that, to be honest. I was oh. just in absolute awe of the uh fuckery on display here is the only thing that i can say it was just a very 90s like balls to the wall like you say demolition man without the the level of kind of comedy or self-knowing it didn't have a lot of no of self-awareness did it no um but what what would you say was your favorite scene and why is it the scene where russell crowe is walking through an la market in a fluorescent purple suit in sync to the bg's staying alive <laughs> i mean that was fucking amazing but i think the scene that i actually liked a bit more i know what you're going to say was well are you do you <laughs> it's yeah. the scene before that i was no right uh -huh. it's the scene in the nightclub i thought you were going to say the scene after oh uh, it's only bit yeah well See that okay, nightclub. You go nightclub. I'll go after. All right, okay. So the nightclub is, and I only like it so much for well, sort of one particular reason at the end of it. So he he escapes and he goes into this nightclub, and he, because the whole fact of the thing is that he he's so self absorbed that he, he loves he loves being on camera, doesn't he? He wants everyone to mm, see him. He, he wants to it. kill people. He wants it to be seen by as many pe people as possible. Mm. And he's mm. just a you know eager maniac. And he uh, he goes into this club, this completely nineties like the most nineties club you can ever imagine. Where no, it's like a nineties nineties vision of a future club. Yeah, where they've got like trance music on, and like they've yeah. got like um, thermal heat imaging cameras on people while they dance on the screens, and they put the cameras yeah. on him, and he's loving it. And then he just goes mental, pulls out a gun, and um, tells everyone to get down, 
and then it it keeps flicking back between the club and the police trying to find him at the club and then oh yeah but then it keeps cutting back to Russell Crowe or Sid 6.7 and he's recording like people's screams so he can mix them on the sound system. He's basically creating his own like symphony on this like futuristic, <laughs> weird, all surrounding keyboard, weird button 1990s space console. And he starts to play this song. Yeah. Which is yeah. just women screaming, <clears throat> men crying and screaming. Mm. Um, mixed with help like... me help me oh help me oh <laughs> yeah bits of guitar solo then sort of washington turns up behind him in one of those like big lifts and you see him come up behind oh him. yeah pulls out his gun sh- shoots um sid and you got to remember mm-hmm. that sid's you know he's not a human so he can he can be shot like quite a lot and sort mm. of not die and he can mm. reheal himself which i thought was actually pretty cool he can heal himself by touching glass because it's made of silicon yeah. yeah and uh he can sort of regenerate it's very t1000 yeah very like massively T-1000. glass instead of yeah. metal so yeah anyway so the thing that made this scene the best thing ever is that he gets away from denzel washington runs towards the lift but as he runs towards the lift he's laughing crazily but then he makes like a noise so he runs towards the lift and he rolls into the lift right he does like a last oh yeah last he actually flies over denzel if you remember he flies over him he dives off the stage and flies about 25 yards like completely (laughs) absolutely fucking horizontal over denzel yeah but it's the and fact then, he rolls into the lift but it's the fact he goes he's laughing while he's doing it so he's like ha, ha, ha. and as he rolls into the lift he's like ha, 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 ooh, into the lift he just makes a oh he turns around and flips in the bird doesn't he yeah while he's going the down shuts. the lift he's like see you later he flips in the bird he's shooting at him he's just flipping him the bird brilliant what an annoying that was bastard. it Come on, I was absolutely loving this this movie, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, me, I like the follow-on scene after this, UFC. The first utterance I seem to remember of an ultimate fighting championship uh, in a movie, in an yeah. you know, American movie. Um, UFC really took off. For me, it came to my attention late 90s. Yeah. And uh, with a lot of the WWE crossover, they had a lot of wrestlers and fighters that would go between the two. Well, um, just on that point, then, I'm mm. going to put a little bit of trivia in here because it sits nicely. Do you know who was in the ring at in. that point? Go on. Uh, Ken Shamrock. Oh, and do you know what? Yeah, I did well there, didn't I? <laughs> he did because he was in the WWE <laughs> and he was in the UFC. Exactly. There you go. Wow. Oh, yeah, to... I didn't, you didn't really get much of a close up of him. No, but, not at all. But he was in. Um, he he sees this on the TV after after dancing after doing the Saturday Night Fever dance through the uh, LA market. <laughs> yeah. He decides to change all of the TV channels to a camera pointing at his face. Uh, oh no, sorry, a camera that is interviewing the people that were in the nightclub that yeah. were like his hostages. And then this one guy is like changing the channel, keeps changing the channel back to on this one TV in like a TV store back to this UFC fight. Mm. And like Russell Crowe keeps Sid 6.7, keeps changing the the channel back to the, this, this interview. And then he keeps changing back and have a little fight. And then Russell Crowe like just breaks his, this guy's neck <laughs> in the <laughs> TV <laughs> shop. Yeah, and then he's like looking at the TV and he's like, oh, there's like a fight going on. There's a UFC fight going on in LA, so I'll go there. And then he just goes there. And uh, and then he's there. Next thing you know, he's killed all the people, the TV crew, the production crew. And he's he has, he's moved the one camera that appears to be filming the fight in the stadium onto a woman with, shall we say, large breasts yeah. for, for the entire like 
televisual experience. The only thing that's on the channel is this. He's just moved this camera onto this woman. Yeah. And and no one has managed to move the camera. No one has noticed that this has happened. But it's obviously going on for about 20 minutes. This woman in the crowd just because loving he's, this. He's killed, you know, the, he's killed them all. He's killed them all. But yeah, I mean, like no one's even like <laughs> he's just gone in and just moved the camera back. You know, it's like um, so uh, he then decides to grab this woman and uh, and basically hold her hostage. Um, and of course, he looks directly down the camera and no one knows how he does this, but somehow he's fully mic'd up. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even and think he, about that. <laughs> and he, he grabs this woman by the head and he's like looking down on this camera that he's obviously tilted towards this woman in the middle of this massive audience in a stadium. And he utters his, should we say, infamous catchphrase that, that just riles up Denzel Washington, which is, hey, Parker, this one's for you. Which, which is apparently what the serial killer who killed his family always used to say. And you don't know this until after the fact. Yeah. It's like, it doesn't have any credence. Denzel's like, oh yeah, so basically, um, this guy, when he, used to, he used to, when he was a serial killer, he used to run around killing people. He'd like blow up buildings and he'd look down the camera and say, hey Parker, this one's for you. <laughs> so you don't, it doesn't have any relevance. No. So you just see Russell Crowe grab this woman, look down the camera, so, somehow be fully mic'd up in the middle of an, of an arena and go, hey Parker, this one's for you, buddy. <laughs> and then that's it. And then the audience, so this is my fav favorite moment. The audience, for no apparent reason, there's a song playing during the Ultimate Fighting Championship uh, match. Yeah. And it's like, dude, and all the arena, everyone in the crowd watching this fight is dancing. Yeah. Yeah. Along to this song. Uh, right. Yeah. I, I feel like the filmmakers who made this, they've never seen a professional fight because they were like, <laughs> well, everyone's going to be watching a fight. So what are they going to be doing? They're going to be playing a song in the background and everyone's going to be dancing while these people are in this ring. Aren't they saying the, the word octagon. kapow? And they, <laughs> they are saying in unison the word kapow. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and it goes on for it's going on for about 20 minutes. It never ends. <laughs> well, Russell Crowe's jumping around, throwing people off of like the balcony. He throws this one guy, then he just throws him straight off the balcony. Yep. Um Wow. Uh wow, that I mean, wow, Kapow, what a scene that was. Uh uh, you know, I think the the best thing about this film, if you agree, uh, Denzel's haircut at the beginning, the dreadlocks. I do you know what? Because he he has dreadlocks and a beard. I think he yeah. looks really cool. And then he looked magnificent. And then they fucking cut it off. He cuts his beard. Yeah. You know, he gets let out of prison to hunt, basically to hunt down um, Sid. And then yeah. he, you know, they cut his hair and his beard. And in the next scene, yeah. he just looks like not as good. <laughs> Not as cool. Ridiculous. Yeah, I feel like I feel like they did that for the trailer because it's like this was a, a post the Fugitive Harrison Ford where at the beginning he obviously through a lot of the movies got his beard and yeah, he cuts it different. off and yeah, it's I mean, a bit like yeah, that. It I feel works like it was very... sort of, but he didn't really need it for this. He looked really cool though, didn't he? Yeah, with I the think dreads. He did. Yeah, yeah, looked awesome. That that's there's that scene at the beginning in, in the prison fight where for no apparent reason he's in a max security prison because he killed loads of people and uh, they the the security the the kind of prison officer. Rather than putting him into solitary where he's usually supposed to go, they put him into like the the the, the mass like general prison population. populace, general population, 
and there's a there's a Nazi in there waiting to fight him. Yeah. Uh, with a shiv. And all the inmates are in this kind of futuristic prison, and all they have it's like like uh, frosted glass that yeah. they're they're kind of sitting behind, and they have these tiny little windows, don't they? Little like little letter boxes. Yeah. And and for some reason, this fight, the way that this fight escalates, so these two go to go to battle in this middle of this prison, Denzel and this this white supremacist. And at the beginning of the fight, the inmates are throwing what can only be described as cotton wool balls yeah. through, <laughs> through balls of paper, through little. Little, little cotton wool balls through the through the hole. Then it upgrades to toilet paper, yeah. and there's like toilet paper streaming in. By the end of this fight, when the then the prison guards come in, it is raining paper <laughs> from the ceiling. It's like, there how is much stuff have paper, they got in their cells? Like sheets of A4 paper <laughs> raining down, and they're everyone like Denzel is slipping over on it when the, when the guards are trying to get him. I'm like, how much it looks paper like, do these fucking prisoners you have? Know, you enter a, an arena for a gig, and when you leave the gig, and everyone's walking out, and the floor's covered in like crap, ticker tape, detritus, exactly. Yeah, uh, detritus, <laughs> leaflets and pamphlets, yeah. and, and beer cups. But it's like these just—it's literally raining paper. Yeah, in that scene, isn't it? It's just there's paper every on the floor, slipping around. It's just eighty. It's so nineties to the max. The kind of the way that they just like right. This is what's going to happen. They don't think about it, but it's going to look great. Yeah, it's going to look you know great what I mean. When they're fighting, it's good. In John Woo, let's get let's get fifty thousand doves flying in front of the camera in slow motion <laughs> when he walks in front of it. Yeah. Um, what are your favourite lines of this movie? There are so many zingers in this, and then all from Russell Crowe. Uh, well, I've got a Parker Barnes one. Go on. Play so it on me. He, it's the same way he's chasing them, um, and we got to mention actually that. The person that he, Parker Barnes is chasing, Denzel Washington is chasing Sid down. But for a lot of the film, mm. he's with the scientist. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember a name. Oh, uh, Lynch. Um, yeah, Kelly Lynch. Kelly yeah, Lynch. Yeah. So played by yeah, who is in Roadhouse, which yes, <laughs> which we talked about recently. Yeah. Um, so he's with her in the car, and they're chasing Sid down. And they they get to this like roadblock bit with like a, a gas tanker and the fire engines are there because there's been like a crash or an explosion or something for you know whatever reason. <laughs> so they get to this roadblock, and he does this like Denzel does this weird like handbrake turn in the car like all stylish. And just before that, he say he's he turns to her because it's a police car and there's guns in it, and he says to her, "Reach in the back seat and hand me that crowd pleaser." Oh yeah, <laughs> it's just like the what? shotgun. Yeah, and if you were with Denzel, you'd be like, "Crowd, crowd, please." Do you mean the Do you mean the gun or the gun or the lunchbox or uh, it's a blanket? I think no, oh the shotgun. Yeah, what? Why? So then he does. He tries to do that sort of cool handbrake turn sideways towards him, blast him with the shotgun. Why was he doing that? He was firing a very high caliber shotgun right in front of a uh, A, an oil tanker, petrol truck, an oil tanker. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um. Wow. Yeah. You thought that was a good idea? No, I don't think he thought about it. Did he? Oh, mate. Um. I. Well, I mean, it's funny, by the way, that you keep calling him Parker Barnes because for me, in my head now, the name, the name Parker Barnes or Parker is said so much in this film. It's said more than any other word in this film. Every other word is Parker in this film, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Parker. God damn it, Parker. Parker Barnes. Hey Parker, <laughs> Parker, Parker, this one's for you. Like it's just Parker, 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 isn't it? So yeah. in my head now, Denzel Washington is no longer Denzel Washington. He's Parker Barnes, and probably will be for the rest of time. <laughs> Forever. Um, but the the whole 
the whole way in which uh, Sid 6.7 has for no apparent reason got it in for Parker because I guess this mass murderer personality that he's absorbed that killed Parker Barnes' family and Parker Barnes and killed him um, has kind of taken over and has become the dominant personality. Mm. Um, but Sid 6.7 has just got some amazing lines. Um, obviously, he killed Parker Barnes' family and the one line for me that stood out from the trailer and from this movie that I laughed at again is when uh, Russell Crowe uh lets parker barnes out of a uh prisoner transport truck and for no apparent reason lets him out i don't really know why he lets him out no one knows just to play with him he likes to like the game uh and turns to denzel washington as parker barnes and says just because i'm carrying around the joy of killing your family inside me doesn't mean we can't be friends um he then also says later on in the film hey buddy how's the wife and kids Still dead, huh? <laughs> yeah, he does. He's such an asshole. He's a real asshole. Um, there's also the scene at the end with the little girl that gets trapped, just like uh, um, Sid Six Point Seven trapped Parker Barnes's family. Yeah, and he, there's, he's got a pre-recorded video there just to wind up Parker Barnes while mm. he's trying to kind of break her out. Um, and he's just got oh my god, uh, he's got this line. He pops up again. It's always hey Parker, like he's obsessed with Parker. Yeah. And Sid six point seven pops up on this little monitor. He goes, "Hello, Parker. That can only be you. What must be perfectly clear now is that anything you can think of, I re- I've already thought of, and I thought of it first. <laughs> <laughs> what must be perfectly clear now is that anything you can think of, I've already thought of, and I thought of it first. <laughs> I was just sitting there. I was like, this is this is just fuckery, yeah. isn't it? They're just fucking and, around and here. if he messes up on that thing and like does something wrong another message pops up and he goes ah 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 yeah. try again uh, 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 oh, I already thought, I thought about of that. that I thought of that one <laughs> better try again Parker. faster and he goes faster, faster at the time <laughs> <laughs> oh my god I mean leading up to that scene what I don't understand is um, there's <laughs> there's a bit mm-hmm. uh, towards the end so he's chasing him through this like skyscraper type building isn't he up to the roof yep. And oh, yeah. there's a bit where he sort of got him, but then what they don't explain is how Sid's got sort of like supernatural powers, like can leap, like you said, leap really far. And then mm. like he could have done this so many times, like he's getting shot while he's like running and stuff. But then oh, out yeah. of the blue, he just goes, you know what, fuck it. And he just jumps in the air, like super jumps and goes through mm-hmm. a suspended ceiling, doesn't he? Like a yeah, tiled does. ceiling. <laughs> he does. He just, yeah. go, he just disappears into scene. the ceiling. Yeah. yeah. But the next thing that's not explained is that like, it's just the continuation of it is that he's chasing him. One, they don't explain yeah. how Denzel Washington gets into Caught the ceiling. And two, yeah. <laughs> how there's a fire exit in the ceiling. Like the, the next scene, they're out on the. He's walking out of the. He's uh, on the roof. He's on the roof. What kind yeah. of fucking architect designs a building where in a suspended ceiling? <laughs> one, that'd be a lot of wasted space, wouldn't it? Two, why is there a fucking fire escape in the ceiling? <laughs> Welcome to Phil's Home Architecture Podcast. <laughs> this week, discussing how to build a ceiling. Discussing the practicality of film sets in <laughs> in reality. Incredible. Um, I I completely agree with you. There was a lot of there was a lot of shit a lot of shit like that where they just went, okay, well we've decided we, that this can happen now and that's going to happen. Um, and you're key example it. being <laughs> key example being opening scene where you think they're where they're in virtual reality and uh, Denzel and the other prisoner are kind of cop buddies going to try and take down Sid six point seven. Sid six point seven kills the cop buddy and tells <laughs> tells Parker that is he goes where's my partner? He's got he's chilling out don't worry about him he's chilling out and then we later see that he's in a freezer like fish covered freezer. in ice yeah with like 
spears and sushi on him and stuff. <laughs> um, but when it comes back to the real world and Parker comes out of, quote unquote, the Matrix. Oh, by the way, what I will say is I love how 90s this is. They keep referring to it as the virtual reality, not <laughs> the virtual, virtual reality. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. He's in the virtual reality. Um, <laughs> when, they, when, they pull, when they pull Denzel out of virtual reality, his partner who died in VR goes into shock and is dead in real life. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. At the end of this movie, they trick Sid 6.7 by killing him, okay, and then reinserting him back into the virtual reality to try and find out where he's put the child, the daughter of the criminal psychologist that's buddied up with him. Yeah. Um, so they trick him. And at this point, Russell Crowe throws Denzel Washington off the fucking building. <laughs> he does. And we follow Denzel's falling body as he, <laughs> as he falls like maybe 80 stories all the way to the pavement. And his head explodes like a fucking melon. Yeah. <laughs> um, how the fuck is Denzel Washington still alive when he gets unplugged from the fucking the virtual reality? It's just like she unplugs him and he's like, oh, we found the kid. Unplug him. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, everything's all right. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Hang on a minute. Your fucking partner died in the, the opening scene because he died in virtual reality. You're absolutely... F he fell off a fucking building. <laughs> I mean, and the because the, the crazy scientist is coming back, isn't he? And he sort of like maxes it up so that like he's getting the most stress on his brain during like way more than yeah. he had in the original scene oh, where yeah. his partner way died. More. It's like going up to like a thousand percent stress on your brain or whatever. It shows on yeah. that weird graphic <laughs> that's on the screen. Yeah. Weird nineties graphic. Oh my god. One I tell you what though, one thing I did really like about this, um, because <laughs> at first I thought it was just really shitty um special effects it went because you didn't quite realise they were in virtual reality. There's a gunfight that happens and he gets shot Denzel gets shot in the arm, didn't he? And it just looks like oh, a really yeah. bad blood effect. But actually, it's really cool. It's like cartoon type. Um, I like the way that people are damaged in virtual reality. Like they, oh, like computer. Yeah, you get like the CGI. computer CGI type mm. injury. And it looks quite comic-y, doesn't it? It's like really bright yep. red blood rather than sort of like dark red. And I, I quite like that. And the other thing I liked about it was every time that um, Sid gets like annoyed or he's like in a rage, <laughs> like they contort his face like a bit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, like the, scene in the, it's like the scene in the Lord of the Rings exactly. when Bilbo goes, Give it to me! Give it to me! Like, yeah, that's exactly oh, what I oh, saw. Could I? Oh, my old ring. Could I just hold that old ring just for a moment? <laughs> Give it to me! <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, Bilbo, no! Um, yeah, so I quite like that. So, you know, it's a simple hmm. effect bit. It was actually quite cool. There was there was some all right bits about it. <laughs> um, and that was it. Well, that I mean, that, that kind of brings us, I would say, more into the trivia part of this movie yeah i've got a little uh, bits of trivia um not too much of this one so did you know you probably did because i'm sure you would have looked up the cast but the daughter of the scientist lady is played by a young kaylee kuko kuko do you know what i recognized her but i didn't i didn't draw the two parallels oh it was a film debut Wow, uh, as you, she's just been nominated for a Golden Globe for the flight attendant. Oh yes, I've seen the trailer for that. Yeah, yeah that looks interesting. Interesting. So yeah, so that was her. Um, here's a couple of nuggets of information: two potential replacements for Denzel as Parker Barnes. Uh, mm. You've got who would you have preferred out of these two <laughs> to, to film to be in this? <laughs> Michael Douglas, <laughs> Ooh. or Arnold Schwarzenegger? Both. Because they were both penned to. I'd have had them as partners. 
Parker and Parker. Parker and Barnes. <laughs> Parker and Barnes. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can imagine him in that VR rig, can't you? Like freaking out. <laughs> it's, it's, too close, like recall, it's too close to Total Recall. Yeah, they Way too have close done to Total Recall. Yeah, yeah, they couldn't have done that. Yeah. Um, apparently, Denzel Washington took the role in this film because his son asked him to do so. I mean, do you oh. think do you think he hates his son for that? <laughs> what, his, his son, John David Washington, we reviewed in Malcolm and Marie. Yeah, do you think week. they talk any? Like, do you think was it him? A, do you think? Yeah, do you think there was a period of time that they didn't talk to each other because it was such a flop? Highly likely. <laughs> probably the <laughs> fact that, that sorry, Dad. It's probably a fact if you think about yourself in 1995. Like, I loved action movies then, like Schwarzenegger movies and all that kind of thing, and, and Denzel hadn't really been in a lot of those at that point yeah so it's probably someone's probably like dad you need to do oh, something to do like one of these film. yeah i want to see you yeah you would, wouldn't you? You would. yeah yeah um i said <laughs> here's a little weird one uh when Go sid on. 6.7 is first formed he cuts off his own finger and licks the wound exclaiming hmm a good year <laughs> russell crowe who played 6.7 later appeared in a good year, two thousand six. Good year, yeah, he did. Ridley Scott, yeah. Wow, oh, I didn't draw that parallel, but I was thinking I was like Russell Crowe and wine. Like, there's a thing there. Do you know what I mean? Like, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then this is the best, right? So I didn't know that. I was looking up bits and pieces about it. So there's a song featured in the is film. Kapow. <laughs> Not that one. <laughs> there is a song featured in this scene where. Um, Sid turns up outside the house of the scientist lady where her daughter is. And I, he... I liked this song. Okay. It was like a rock song, it like was. a funky kind of sounded a bit like Faith No More or like well, I knew Chili Peppers like or something. But you're gonna fucking love this then, right? So that song is by the <laughs> it's, it's it's called The Photograph Kills, right? And okay. it's by Russell Crowe and his band. No, thirty th his band called Thirty Odd Foot of Grunts. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there is a video on YouTube. So, like, the video to this song is Russell is basically Russell Crowe on set between takes. Like, he's in front of the flaming oil tanker and he's like singing the song. Like, he's literally, he's in all the costume. And there's like mix of like live footage of him in the back, his band with bits of this song. And he like lights a cigarette off of the flaming car. Uh, it's amazing like you have to oh, watch God. it so it's called the photograph kills i found it i found it yeah i'm going to watch that i really enjoyed that song it's a good like, song it's, it's actually a really good yeah. song so he, he sings it and it was so it was in the it was in the film so they featured it in the scene um yeah so he he filmed it between like you could just imagine he's doing takes of this film and then like there's another yeah. camera going and he's like oh we can put that in the music video and he's just like doing bits in front of all these weird it's so as odd. Sid 6.7 I'm really I'm really, actually really disappointed because I wanted to look that up after the film and I wish I'd done that now because then I would have known uh, and then I would have been able to have that trivia and been like Boop. well there you go I got there first sorry about that I'm gonna listen to that straight after <laughs> you would you, you'd love that song it's a great song great song but yeah so check that out because that's a that's a fun uh link to this film but a good song a good song probably possibly the best thing about this film uh po <laughs> possibly <laughs> <laughs> possibly yeah the music video of in between shooting on this film is better than the film and that's the end that's the end of my trivia and that's that's all i got to say about that um just one final thing i will say about this this movie go on um is that it it did have 
a budget of at the time and this is at the time 30 yeah. million dollars which is a lot wow. 30 million dollars um it grossed worldwide mm. 30 million dollar budget 24 million dollars oh, didn't even make back its its budget wow so it was a massive 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 flop you win some you lose some it's probably why we haven't heard of it some, to this day i mean it must have set back crow's career at some point it must have done did it though? um you think that well i mean Gladiator it was five anything, years after this film yeah but if for me if anything it was him as bud white in um la confidential which was a couple of years later yeah which is a very very different performance to this and yeah. i feel like maybe this movie you know maybe enabled him to kind of dial into you know what he really wanted to do the kind of content he really wanted to go for <laughs> well he thought i'm never doing um, that again <laughs> fuck this i'm never going to be jim carrey slash tommy lee jones in batman forever ever again in a purple suit in a, in, a, in a purple suit walking around with to round the sunglasses on. oh but what a movie though come on what I, an incredible I urge movie this is. anyone that wants to um potentially lose an hour and 40 minutes of their life to go and watch this film because it's it's <laughs> it's worth it i mean it's a global pandemic what else <laughs> exactly. are we gonna do it's worth it go watch it you love it so that was this week's Video Store Corner with Virtuosity. That was also this week's Movie Mouth podcast. Phil, it was our 20th episode. It was, wasn't it? Episode this 20. Week. Wow. 20. Blimey. Yeah. How are you enjoying our podcasts so far, Philip? I, I love it. <laughs> what would you say? Your great, your, what would you say your greatest moments of the pod so far? Uh, virtuosity. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> Mortal Kombat. Uh, Mortal Kombat. Forget the rest. A oh, Roadhouse as well. I mean, no, I've no, got. I, I mean, you know, I love. Yeah, it's been good catching up with the new releases, but I must. I do have a very big soft spot for watching crap films, and also classic films, not just corner. crap films. Like some yeah. absolute brilliant films in Video Store Corner. I think I've had two in a row now, so I think next week it's definitely going to be yeah, yours. Yeah, you, you wait. I'm so going to punish get you back. Little thinking. I know you've got a cap on right now, yep. but you better get your thinking it's a cap different on. different cap I wear for thinking. This, this one's a this podcast. This was cap. the most video store corner movie of all time, though, well, wasn't it? Well, we'll see about that. It's my turn. Um, it's my turn, motherfucker. Um, hey, Parker, <laughs> this one's for you. <laughs> that old classic catchphrase. <laughs> yeah. So um, please join us uh, on the next episode of the Movie Mouth Film and TV Podcast. But before then, please follow our Facebook and Instagram accounts at, at Movie Mouth Podcast and hit subscribe. Or as usual, please, please give us a nice five-star review on your podcast player of choice. Phil, do you have any last words? Um, can you reach in the back and hand me that crowd, please? Please. <laughs> You see, in your world, Phil, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh. But in my world, the one who gave me life doesn't have any balls. Thanks, Sid. I'll take that on board. Well, it's perfectly clear to me that anything you can think of, I've already thought of and I thought of it first. So thanks very much for joining us this week. <laughs> Bye then. <laughs> Bye-bye. Ta-ta. Bye, Parker. Bye-bye, Sid.